All right, indeed, what a blessed day. You can turn to 1 Peter in your Bibles, as that is where our scripture message will come from today. And we have it there, great. So as always, we welcome you and Jesus welcomes you. And this is Prayer for the End Times. It's the name of this sermon. As you know, we've been in the middle of 10 days of prayer and uh, are near the end of it. We've actually, actually it's the 5th through the 15th, which is 11 days. So we finish tonight and um, are excited about that. But this is our first quarter communion emphasis. Uh, this whole month we're doing prayer. I, every year I do a sermonic plan. It's just that, a plan, because it doesn't always, <laughs> there are always many interruptions in a yearly sermonic plan. However, um, I always plan certain things, like you have four communions a year, and you know, there are certain things you know that are going to be in certain places. One thing I hadn't done in the past was plan for prayer. Well, I plan for prayer. We always do the 10 days of prayer, but that's it. Well, this year, I planned four different prayer emphasis and the month of January, the whole month, is on prayer. So um, I, I feel like the Lord led me in that direction, and I'm, I'm uh, happy that he did. But this is prayer in the end times. Let us pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you for all the blessings that you've showered upon us this day. Thank you, Father, for your protection. Indeed, the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him and delivers them. Indeed, Jesus, your prayer to the Father has been answered. Guard them, keep them, and continue to do that with your people today. Send your Holy Spirit to be our teacher as we unpack your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and so here we are in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, there are many things different about a communion service. Um, and they're getting more different all the time because of COVID. So usually we would serve the emblems. We don't do that again yet. Um, hopefully we'll get back to it. But in the meantime, the emblems are out in the foyer in little bags, little nice um, uh, sanitized bags where you have your <laughs> grape juice and your bread in little cups. So as you go out for foot washing, which is something we do before the communion service, make sure and grab that. Or if you're not going to do foot washing, you weren't prepared for this, but you still want to take communion, make sure and go out and grab your emblems, please. All right, so along with that, we um, didn't have children's story or scripture reading. This is sort of a homily. It's a little shorter today, the sermon material. We do have a children's story that's told during the foot washing. So after the homily, I'll have a prayer. We'll go out those doors and downstairs to the foot washing, where we have men with men, I believe, um, looking for a deacon. There's three or four rooms down there where you can have um, uh, time. And this foot washing is important. It's, um, it's just making sure our hearts are right with God. And so um, it's a time to, you know, make things right if we haven't already. And so we hope you'll partake of that. Then after that, we come back up and we partake of communion together. We practice open communion. 
As long as you know what the emblems mean and are meaningfully taking them, you're welcome to take with us even if you are not a member. Another thing that is special about this particular service is we have an offering at the end of the service taken at the back of the church, and that is um, what we call our deacon's fund, but it's been used for many things, mainly for the poor uh, or those in various stages of need. So we hope you'll give to that freely. All right, and that will be taken at the end of the service. So we have 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning, and I hope you're there with me. It reads as follows. Therefore, therefore, since Christ suffered in flesh, now in your version it might say in the flesh, but in the original Greek, the the, the definite article is not there. It's just in flesh. And there is so much gospel packed into this verse. I can hardly contain myself, and I don't know that I can do it justice, but I will certainly try. First of all, the therefore. Therefore is always sort of a summary statement going back to something previous. And I think it goes back to chapter 3 and verse 18. So if you've got your Bibles open to chapter 4, It should be an easy jog back, or it should be on the same page. And 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, or in flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And so this is pointing back to Christ's once-for-all sacrifice. Therefore, therefore, since Christ has suffered in flesh, that word in the Greek is sarx. It means the same flesh and blood that you and I have, but it has a deeper meaning because there's no definite article there. He suffered in flesh. So he had flesh like you and I, but he had our flesh. It's as if we were in him corporately. And so that is how he suffered. He suffered in flesh. And when he suffered, where were you? In him, so to speak, in a corporate sense. And so therefore, since Christ has suffered in flesh, arm yourselves because of this, because he's suffered in flesh, he's done that for you, arm yourselves also with the same purpose or the same attitude or the same mind because he who has suffered in flesh is done with sin or cease to sin in your King James Version. And so Christ has dealt the death blow to sin in the flesh. And where were you when he dealt the death blow to sin? You were in him. That victory was yours. It's already yours to be received by faith. Verse 2, so ought we to live the rest of our time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but to the will of God. So because he suffered, because he dealt the death blow to sin, We now are to live in the light of that fact, the victory of Christ. For the time is past. 
or the time past is already sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. We're in 2022. The time is past for that stuff in our lives. Amen? That stuff is past because of the sacrifice of Christ that we have accepted In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation or wastefulness or unsavedness. And they malign or speak harm or speak to harm you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Are your friends surprised by your new life? Is it that apparent that you have a new life, that your friends are surprised? I pray that they are. I remember when I was becoming a Seventh-day Adventist, it was a process. I was in Claremont, California living, and I came out of a a friend base that all smoked marijuana. Of course, now it's legal, I guess, but it wasn't legal then. And uh, we did lots of other stuff, which I won't go into, but they were certainly surprised. Uh, When I first started attending church, I was still living with these guys. And um, I'd come home and, you know, have my Bible in my hand. And they they just, oh, they were making fun of me. And, you know, they'd they'd take a puff of that, blow it right in my face and say, oh, you know, you want this. And uh, they they were surprised that I wasn't running in the same excesses of wastefulness By the way, that was the time, that was at the time where little baby Christian Rob just said, you know, Lord, if you can give me the victory over this for two weeks, I know you can do it forever. Now, why did I say two weeks? Who knows? I was a baby Christian. But the Lord immediately, just like that, gave me the victory over smoking marijuana. And so I'm so grateful for that. Not every sin happens that quickly, does it? But... um, but I'm so grateful for God's mighty power. We should be surprising our old party friends with our new life. And they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. But God is out to save them also, verse 6. For this purpose, the gospel has been preached even to those who are dead. Now, this is a difficult passage, and this is a difficult verse. And there's about 20 different Uh, potential ways to um, interpret this. But I'm going to give you mine. um, And uh, if you have a different one, the Lord will instruct you when you get to heaven. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I think this is is the right one. But uh, so for this purpose, the gospel has been preached, going back to the verse previous, right? Um, To those who are surprised and that you're living this new life, for this purpose, the gospel has been preached even to those who are dead. I believe that's in relation to spiritual things. Those that malign you, those that are your old party friends, the gospel must be preached even to the dead. uh, That, though they are judged in the flesh as men, we just read, they'd be judged, that they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Those old party friends of yours, um, God wants to save, amen? God wants to save. Um, And it took me a while in my 
experience to be able to go back to my old friends. I couldn't go right away. I wasn't strong enough. If I had tried to go back and, and you know, I mean, I was somewhat witnessing them, was living with them for a while. But after I became an Adventist, it took me a little while to get strengthened myself in order to go back. Uh, but God wants uh, those people to be saved. Amen. There's so many in this world all around us that are not living for Christ, that do not know Christ. But God would have them to know him, and he'd have them to know him through you and your new life. Verse 7, the end, and this is better put, fulfillment of all things is, and your King James probably says, at hand, which is correct. Near is an even better translation. The end or fulfillment of all things is near. And so Christ is near. The end is near. We should always live in the anticipation of the second coming of Christ. Amen? Not with fear, but just with that, with that fond and, and calm assurance. Did you know John Calvin was an Adventist? Probably many of you didn't know that, but here, here's my proof. He said this, It ought to be the chief concern of the believer to fix his mind constantly on Christ's second advent. Now, if you're fixing your mind on Christ's second advent, what are you? You're an Adventist. So John Calvin was an Adventist. I love this statement, though, right? That's what we must do. We must be fixing our mind. Oh, I love H.L. Minter's Christ Returneth. Christ Returneth. Know the song? It may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the fullness of glory, to receive from the world his own. It may be at midday, it may be at twilight, it may be perchance that the blackness of midnight will burst into light in the blaze of his glory when Jesus receives his own. Oh joy, oh delight, should we go without dying, no sickness, no sadness, no dread, and no crying, caught up through the clouds with our Lord into glory when Jesus receives his own. Oh, Lord Jesus. And then there's the question in the song, right? How long, how long ere we shout the glad song? Christ returneth, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. And so we should live with anticipation and our prayers should reflect that we're anticipating the soon coming of Christ. Oh, when all things will be made new, families will be put back together. Many here have lost loved ones. And that'll be the day of reconciliation and regathering together. Amen. Families will be put back together. Babies will be put back in their mother's arms. Oh, what a day. And we are to live not in fear, but in fond assurance of what is soon to come. John F. Kennedy had a saying that he closed his speeches with fairly often during the 1960 presidential campaign. 
the story of Colonel Davenport, the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives. One day in 1789, the sky of Hartford darkened ominously, and some of the representatives, glancing out the windows, feared that the end was at hand. Quelling a clamor for immediate adjournment, Davenport rose and said, The day of judgment is either approaching or it's not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought rather than fearing what is to come. A lot of fear out there today. Rather than fearing what is to come, we are to be faithful till Christ returns. So not fear, but faith. Instead of fearing the dark, we are to be as lights and to watch and to wait. Well, there's more to this verse to unpack. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit, that is, clear-minded, self-restrained, and alert for the purpose of prayer. So your prayer should be reflecting that you believe that the Lord is coming soon and that you also are of sound judgment and of a sober spirit. Pray with the full anticipation of the Lord's coming, but without a shred of fear to annoy. Now, this bit about having a sound mind and a sober spirit. I read something recently uh, from a Dr. Desmet. He is a clinical psychologist, teacher of clinical psychology in the University of Ghent in Belgium. And he says that there in his studies and in his field, there are four factors of what he calls mass psychosis or mass formation. How many of you have heard about this? Very few, few of you have, okay, not many. Um, so here are the four factors. And if, if these four factors come together, people will do things that are absurd. They won't even really be checking things out. So here they are, isolation and lockdown. Have we had that? We have. Lack of social connectedness. Bonding uh, is restricted. That's why I'm so glad you all are at church. And I understand if, you know, if you're, if you're stuck, by the way, if you feel sick, stay home. It's okay. We're, we're fine with that. But you need the bonding. You need the, the social connectedness. Um, that's what the Bible tells us, and I believe it. So these are the four factors of mass psychosis or mass formation where people will just start doing strange things. Isolation and lockdowns, we've had that would draw from normal activities causing just a lack of meaning in life, right? As much as maybe sometimes you're not thrilled about your job, it's something that gives you meaning, right? And it's super important to your psyche to, to have a job and to be able to go to it and so forth uh, or have a routine. And we're all out of sorts, right? Job, church, school, social inter interactions, all this has been disrupted with lockdowns, etc. The third thing is free-floating fear. From multiple sources, a constant stream from mass media, social media, government. And this is an unanswerable problem. This is the kind of fear, by the way, that causes cancer. Um, fear, it's one thing to, okay, there's a lion in front of you, and it's like, I'm afraid of that, right? You can, you, you know, it makes sense. It's not, uh, this, this wouldn't be free-floating fear because you're connecting it to an object. Free-floating fear is when you're afraid, but you're not even exactly sure why you're afraid. 
And there's so much of that going on today in our world. All three of these have been met along with the fourth point, which is a singular solution offered by people of authority. And it's one where the end justifies the means. It's one for the greater good. It's your only hope. You must do this. Life depends on it, no matter how absurd. Now, it's very interesting that as the man describes this, he uses another word for what's going on here, and he calls it hypnotism. Now, I've read uh, Ellen White regarding hypnotism, and I, I just thought, well, this is not... Who gets hypnotized? I mean, I'm sure there's a, is there a hypnotist in Battle Creek? I mean, there probably is, but you know, it didn't seem like a, like a very common thing. But this is happening everywhere now, right in front of our eyes. This is spiritualism. I was waiting. I'm like, you know, I know that these, you know, these three things are going to come together, apostate Protestantism, you know, the papacy and spiritualism. Where's spiritualism? It's right here. <laughs> it was right in front of me all along. And so this is happening all along. So we must be sober-minded. How do we not let this thing happen to us? We'll get to that. But first, a few things about um, this hypnotism, the experiences of the past. This now is a quote from uh, Ellen G. White. The experiences of the past will be repeated. And I'm sorry, I don't have a reference here. So if you want to check it out, take down a few words and you can look it up or ask me to do it. The experiences of the past or experience of the past will be repeated. In the future, Satan's uh, superstitions will assume new forms. This is a bit of a new form, I think. Errors will be presented in a pleasing and flattering manner. False theories clothed with garments of light will be presented to God's people. Now, some of this, by the way, may, in context, have been dealing with something happened right here in Battle Creek, not too far away from us at the Kellogg uh, Sanitarium. But I think it applies today, too. Thus, Satan will try to deceive, if possible, the very elect. Most seducing influences will be exerted. Minds will be what? Hypnotized. That's crazy. Satan is making every effort to bring in spiritualistic sophistries, to throw his deceptions over minds, so that we're just not even thinking. We're just sort of dazed. I mean, where's my job? Where's my, where's my anything, right? Now is the time for every follower of Christ to be clothed with the whole armor of God and to fight manfully against the encroachments of the power of darkness. Now is the time. We're in 2022. The Lord is nearer than ever before. Now is the time. Let not our soldiers be found asleep at their posts. The world is to be warned. This surprised me as I continued to look into this subject. Satan exercised his power of hypnotism over Adam and Eve. Did you know that? And this power he strove to exercise over Christ. But he couldn't do it. And why could he not do it? Here it is. And this is the key for us. But after the word of Scripture was quoted, Satan knew that he had no chance of triumphing. Do you think we need to be in God's word, folks? Absolutely. Absolutely, we must. 
And so be of a sound mind and a sober spirit, this says. And God will keep us in that way through our prayers to him and through our study of his most holy word. This verse we close with before we go down for communion. Above all, keep fervent. That word means intense, among other things. In your love, and that is agape, for one another, because love covers what? A multitude of sins. And maybe that is referring to your sins as you're having love, but it's also, I think, referring to others. Uh, When you have love one for another, we're more willing to forgive and overlook. We're more willing to esteem others, as Paul said in Philippians, better than ourselves. And that only comes through the grace and the enablement of God. And so this word fervent, I break down a little bit and then we go off to foot washing. Fervent is um, a compound word from ekteno, it's ektenes, and it means to stretch out. So you get the picture, to stretch out. It is literally the picture of one who is stretched out. It pictures an intense strain, an unceasing activity, which normally involves a degree of intensity and or perseverance. Above all, keep fervent. Ectenes was used to describe a horse whose legs are fully extended while galloping. Ectenes was used as a medical term describing the stretching of a muscle to its limits. And in Grecian athletes, describing a runner with the taut muscles moving at maximum output straining and stretching to the limit in order to win the race. Be fervent above all things in love. It pictures one stretching out to love others. May that be our experience in 2022. The only other use of ectenes was Jesus himself. And he was there in... Gethsemane. And as the moon showed through a cloudless sky, he sweat great drops of blood for you and I. He went through the hell of the Bible. He tasted the second death for every man that we might not have to. Ectenes, his sweat became like drops of blood, a condition known as hematidrosis. The effusion of blood in one's perspiration falling down to the ground. The spotless Son of God hung upon the cross, his flesh lacerated with stripes, those hands that so often reached out in blessing, nailed to the wooden bars. Those feet so tireless on ministries of love spiked to the tree, that royal head pierced by the crown of thorns, those quivering lips shaped to the cry of woe. And all that he endured. The blood drops that flowed from his head, his hands, his feet, the agony that racked his frame and the unutterable anguish that filled his soul at the hiding of his father's face. All this speaks to each child of humanity declaring 
It is for thee that the Son of God consents to bear this burden of guilt. For thee, he spoils the domain of death. For thee, he opens the gates of paradise. He who stilled the angry waves and walked the foam-capped billow, who made devils tremble and disease flee, who opened blind eyes and called forth the dead to life, offers himself upon a cross as a sacrifice, and this from love to thee. He, the sin-bearer, endures the wrath of divine justice, and for thy sake becomes sin itself. Let's pray. O Father, indeed, fervent was your experience as you were in Christ, as he reconciled the world to himself. And Jesus, how fervent or intense was the anguish that you went through that we might have eternal life. The great exchange. And oh Lord, may not one leave this place without having accepted that great exchange, the new life, the righteousness of Christ into their life today. Be with us as we go now to our foot washing and come back for partaking of these so meaningful emblems of your body which was for us and your blood which was spilt on our behalf. And we thank you, thank you so much for your abundant love And may we have that love by faith in our hearts toward one another. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.